Welcome back to The Look and Sound of Leadership, an ongoing series of executive coaching tips designed to help you be perceived in the workplace the way you want to be perceived. I'm Tom Henschel, your executive coach, and today we're talking about the human element. My friend and colleague, Mindy Dana, and I were talking about our coaching practices. So much of our work revolves around thinking deeply about the people we coach, it's helpful to have a thought partner. For months I'd been telling her about Nate, an executive at one of the studios who was a true creative star. Hiring him had been a coup for the studio, and they wanted to groom him into a fantastic executive. One tool among many they were giving him was a coach, who happened to be me. Mindy had become enthralled with my portrait of a corporate star speeding down the highway of leadership success. Of my most recent meeting with Nate, I told her, as we were sitting down, he mentioned that his whole department, 70-some people, is moving to a new building at the end of the month, and he kept on talking, and I went, well, hold on, you're moving? She asked knowingly, he was minimizing it? (laughs) Yeah, but... I knew a move had to be a big deal. The building they're in now is a legacy building. People love working in that building because of its history. When I heard they were moving, I asked him, aren't people upset? And are they, she asked. Of course. It's not as bad as it could be. The new space is still a studio building. But it's newer and completely different. Even the space among the artists is going to be different. With a bit of confusion, she asked, And he wasn't tuned into that as an issue? Given the glowing portrait I had painted of Nate, her surprise was understandable. I said, as soon as we started talking about it, yeah, he completely tuned into it as an issue. It was amazing, actually. As soon as he turned his mind to it, he began throwing out this idea and that idea. He just hadn't stopped to give it real thought. She toasted with an imaginary glass. Thank you very much, coaching conversations. We both knew this was one benefit our clients got from their time with us. They got time to think about things they otherwise wouldn't. I said, one of the things I love about Nate is how fast he is. We only talked for maybe 15 minutes, and he probably thought of a dozen actions he can take that'll make real impact. Like what, she asked. Well, for example, he's going to start a legacy group to think about what really belongs to them that they can take with them. How cool, she said. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, given who he is, I was a little surprised he hadn't seen moving as an issue. I think it's the human element, she said. I gave a questioning look. She explained, It seems he couldn't see people were having feelings about the move. And then unless those feelings, whatever they are, get addressed in some way, they often become their own issue. Then with a smile, she asked, Did I ever tell you about my heart attack guy? I don't think so, I said. Okay, this was a guy named Joe, a senior vice president at a consumer goods company, not in great shape. He's only 60 or so, but he was overweight and had back problems and his eyes got tired easily. Being Joe every day was hard work. But the company loves Joe because he knows their supply chain like nobody else. Well, there I am, coaching Joe, because for the previous six months, he's been a basket case. Forgetful and cranky and goofy in his communication. All my interviews about him said the same thing. We love Joe, but he's a mess, and he hadn't been previously. 
So, it's maybe our third session, and in the middle of a story, he says, well, I'm not sure how that went down. That happened during my heart attack. So I asked him about his heart attack, and it turns out, about a year and a half earlier, at one of his granddaughter's birthday parties, he keels over. Everybody freaks out, ambulance comes, they rush him to the hospital, put in a stent, and bang, he's fine, better than ever. Could have died, but didn't. So let's get back to work. And he does. Six days later, he's back at it and never thought of it again. So he says. And I ask him if he thought, well, gee, maybe might his heart attack have possibly anything to do with his current slump in performance? And he said, nope, that was months before, done, over, no possible connection. And to me, of course, this is the human element. I believe he had to have strong feelings about a near-death experience and that those feelings are going to show up at some point in some way, like maybe this slump. I said, it sounds like he didn't even think he had feelings. (laughs) Right. Well, he was not tuned in to his own human element. At one point he conceded that, yeah, well, okay, there was that one day he had felt really scared. But he didn't think this slump had anything to do with fear. To which you said what? I said, it doesn't have to look like fear. It could look like anything. Just like anger can look like iciness. Or shame can look like bullying, I offered. She laughed. Or good old confusion can lead to being a control freak. I remember one time my husband changed firms. I was in a tizzy, started micromanaging the girls and him and the dogs, and no one else seemed upset about his move, but for some reason, I was, and that was how my upset came out. I said, I'm thinking about Nate. In his case, I don't think it was him who had the strong feelings. I think a lot of people around him in the department did, but not him. So did you make this a point with him, she asked? Make what a point, I asked. This human element that when feelings are present, whether they're yours or someone else's, they need to be recognized. Oh, I didn't have to, I said. In the middle of thinking about how to calm the waters, he stopped, and he observed exactly that. He said, I should have seen this. He said, I have to slow down and notice people. He totally got it. Mindy said, well, he got it thanks to you pointing it out. Lucky he had a coach. Well, it doesn't have to be a coach, I said. It could be a good lieutenant. Hmm, yeah, or a best friend who will kick your ass, she smiled. I said, there's this woman I coach. Her assistant does that for her. The assistant will say, Margot, pay attention to this thing over here, or Margot, folks are grumbling. This assistant is totally tuned into the human element in their workplace, and she makes sure Margot tunes in too. Mindy said, am I right? Do people like Margot? They do, and she's lucky, because left on her own, she could be a little clueless about that human element stuff, like your heart attack guy. Oh no, said Mindy. At least she knows that feelings really do show up in the workplace, and she knows how to honor them. Yeah, when someone points them out to her. But she listens. I cocked my head. There was a time when this whole human element thing completely overwhelmed me. When was that? After my brother died, I said. Mindy had heard about my brother's death. I'd been in my mid-thirties. He wasn't even forty. She knew it had had a huge impact on me. I said, 
I think I was in a funk for probably three years afterwards, and I kept thinking to myself, gee, I've never done this grief thing before. I wonder what it's going to be like when the grief finally kicks in. And of course, I was in the middle of it the whole time. I I couldn't see it, even though I was looking for it. She asked, huh, was anybody in your life your lieutenant? Hmm, did anyone do that for me? You know, maybe. I'm not sure I remember it very well. Did you talk about it, she asked? About this grief thing? No, she answered. If I had asked five or ten people in your life, hey, did you hear about Tom's brother, would they have all have said yes? I considered again. Maybe, I'm not sure. I can imagine it either way. Why? Well, I think it's like Nate, she said, or like Joe with the heart attack. Talking about the feelings makes you stop and focus on them, and then sometimes you can take action on them. Well, maybe I talked about my feelings, maybe I didn't, but I clearly couldn't see the forest for the trees. Yeah, but at least you were looking for the forest, she said, I suppose. She shook her head in wonder and said, I am really struck by the idea that everything is connected. For example, people in Nate's building are upset about the move, so who knows what happens? Maybe productivity goes down, or bad decisions get made about the new space. Something is going to go badly if Nate doesn't pay attention to this swirl of feelings. And Joe, she continued, he has a heart attack, doesn't deal with it much. Six months later, he's in a slump. Everything connects. The feelings are going to show up somewhere, somehow. For the longest time, Joe simply didn't want that to be true. Did you finally convince him, I asked? (laughs) No, he convinced himself. I mentioned he was a supply chain guy, right? Well, one day he was explaining something about supply chain, and he says, if you change something at the beginning, you have to follow it down the line because it's going to show up somewhere. And he heard himself say that. He made the connection all by himself. It was like he had a conversion. Suddenly he was willing to consider that, yes, his slump really might be connected to all the trauma around his heart attack. And he started talking about how freaked out his family had been. And suddenly we were having this incredibly compassionate conversation about trauma. It was great. I mused, so what's the point here? Well, one thing would be feelings, she said. It's what I listen for with my clients. Where are the feelings? About a project, about a person. Maybe they're my client's feelings. Maybe they're the other person's feelings. And when I hear feelings, I wonder, where are they going to pop out? I laughed. Sounds like (laughs) whack-a-mole. Yeah, it does. Which is not a bad image. We're human. We have feelings. They're going to show up somewhere. But wait a second, I said. We're not really trying to whack our feelings, are we? We're not trying to pound them into submission and make them disappear. True. No, we're not, she said. What we're really trying to do is what Nate did. Stop. Recognize the feelings are there. Figure out what they are. Why are they happening? And what can we as leaders do to manage them and make them productive. I shook my head admiringly. That would be the look and sound of leadership. The point of this episode is that at some time or another, we are all like Nate or Joe or me after my brother died. At some point, I think we all, despite our best intentions, diminish the importance of our feelings or the feelings of others. We think... I don't have time for that, or that's silly, or we're embarrassed, or especially if the feelings aren't our own, we think people should just get over it. But time after time, 
I observe that feelings don't disappear just because they're inconvenient or illogical or frightening. And feelings in the workplace, well, <laughs> they're usually considered off-limits, right? I mean, we're not supposed to get upset. We're not supposed to be angry. And Lord knows we're not supposed to cry. Woo, there's a sin of the first magnitude. But I ask you, is this possible? Our companies and our leaders want us to put our hearts into our work. Research and journalists tell us our work will be better if it's personally meaningful. So we're supposed to be committed heart and soul, but we're not supposed to have feelings? I mean, does that sound remotely possible to you? Because it makes no sense to me. So, okay, what am I advocating? Am I advocating that tomorrow you get all fired up about that annoying junior executive on your colleague's team and you go in with all your guns blazing because you have feelings? Or that you pitch a fit in a meeting because you have feelings about the way the meetings are run? No. No. Acting out in the workplace is not the look and sound of leadership. What I am saying is that it's helpful if you are aware that you don't like that junior executive. Or that you are aware that you don't like the way the meetings are run. And not liking something means you are having feelings about it. And unless you're really vigilant, those feelings are likely to show up one day in a way that may not be to your advantage. And if they do, what are they going to look like? You know what? They might not be anything big. It could be a snide comment or an eye roll or a snort. Some little grenade that you lob in an instant makes you appear passive-aggressive or hypocritical or just nasty. So how are you going to make sure your feelings don't pop up or they're not wanted? Time. Stop. Take the time to talk about your feelings with a friend or a colleague. Treat your feelings, that human element, treat your feelings as if they were a business issue. That's what I did with Nate. I asked him to stop and think for a couple minutes about the feelings people had about the move. And that helped. And Mindy asked Joe to stop and think about all the feelings about his heart attack. And that helped. So listen, when people come to you and say, hey, folks are upset, pay attention. It means there are feelings happening. The infrastructure that holds up the work is eroding. Pay attention. I wrote about the impact feelings can have in the workplace from a very different angle, for a tip back in 2010. Now think about that date. 2010, the world was just beginning to emerge from a catastrophic economic freefall. Many people were unsettled and fearful. The tip I wrote was called Compassion During Change. I always liked that tip. The stories in it, I think, are very compelling and very human a lot of the human element, and all of that is no less relevant now. So give it a listen. Let me know what you think of it. If this realm of feelings in the workplace is an area for you to pay attention to, four other episodes you might listen to besides Compassion During Change are Building Empathy, Building Emotional Intelligence, Coaching Your People, and Dealing with Emotional Responses. You can find those episodes and all the others when you select the Coaching Tips tab on the Essential Communications website. It's at 
EssentialCom.com. That's EssentialCom with two M's.com. When you're on the site, you can also subscribe to the HTML version of the tips or hit the contact button and let me know what's on your mind. I could never have predicted that the podcast would have created such an amazing interaction with people from all over the world who hit that contact button. You all amaze me. Some of you leave comments on the website. Thanks for those. Some of you reach out to me on LinkedIn. That's always a pleasure. Some of you use that contact us button and you ask for various PDFs and supporting materials. That's always a pleasure. I'm really so happy to provide those. Thanks for asking. And more and more of you are reaching out to talk with me about getting coaching for yourselves. And I love talking with you and hearing your stories and seeing how I can help. And some of you, some of you leave reviews online about the podcast. And that is the biggest gift of all because it helps the next generation of listeners find the podcast. Thanks. But no matter how you get in touch, you energize me every day. Thanks. Until next time, I'm Tom Henschel. Thanks so much for listening.